Welcome back to another episode of Louisiana Ladies. My name is Melissa Torito. And I am Maggie Robinson. And this is a podcast with with no no agenda. We would love if you guys would subscribe to the podcast and that way you never miss a new episode. Additionally, when you subscribe, if you could rate and review, we would really appreciate that as well. We are also on social media, both Instagram and Facebook, so please give us a follow at Louisiana Ladies Podcast. And Maggie? You can reach us at our email address, louisianaladiespodcast at gmail.com. another episode of Louisiana Ladies, and we have a very special guest today, Ann Milneck. Thank you, Ann, for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. She is with Red Stick Spice, um, and we're going to talk all about, um, you're the founder of that company, right? Yes. thought so. And we're going to talk all about that, all of the fun things that they have. I think Lainey said that she had gone, did you pick up some spices or something? Yeah. Um, Falcon Winkler sponsored some tickets at the Jambalaya Jam this past week, and at the VIP tent, they gave us some little packets as a little party favor. And what'd you say? It was delicious? Um, I used it in my gumbo this weekend. Yes. And I, it was awesome. I told Lainey, I said, I feel like Anne's going to really inspire me to actually cook. I'm assuming you like to cook, right, Anne? Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Anne, we're going to get right into it, okay? Are you from Baton Rouge? I'm from Laplace. Okay. Um, and moved to Baton Rouge to go to LSU and have been here ever since. Okay. So, I've lived here longer than, than my hometown. Okay, so yeah. do you kind of feel like that makes you from Baton Rouge? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Some people say that. Some people are like, I feel like it you know, makes me from Baton Rouge. So you went to LSU. What did you go to LSU for? Um, broadcast journalism. Oh, okay. And then I finished up at Nichols um, okay. later. Okay. Um, when I was 40, I went back to school and got my Bachelor of Science in Culinary Arts from Nichols in okay. Thibodeau. okay. So, um, this might be very ignorant, but I feel like that's kind of not opposite end of the spectrum, but broadcast journalism and culinary. I don't think so. like they go together? I don't think so. I think I'm a good communicator Uh and who loved food. Okay. So, I actually think it's a great marriage. So, it's a good fit? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... What did you do with your broadcast journalism after after college or in between before you went back? Mainly say. mainly writing. So okay. I did lots of copywriting. I worked in a marketing department of a casino, a uh, riverboat casino here back in the 90s and worked there and did all of their corporate communications. And then I've done freelance writing for several um, businesses in Baton Rouge, um, everything from newsletters to uh, press releases to um, advertising copywriting. Uh-huh. So um, when I took on the business, when I took on Red Stick Spice, writing all the copy for the website and writing newsletters was was easy for me. Natural, yeah. right? Probably doesn't stress you out at all. Right. Like it probably stresses out other people, right? Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this. So when you went back for culinary mm-hmm. at that point when when did red stick spice when did that happen so after i graduated i um had a little catering business and my children were still um elementary and middle school and it was just it was just me by myself so i realized pretty quickly that that was going to be tough for my family mm-hmm. so i started looking for a job and i actually applied at the local culinary uh school here mm-hmm. um to teach 
And um, then I was looking at teaching um, ProStart, and that's a, pro, a culinary program in Louisiana public high schools. Oh. So I was looking, and all the females in my family are teachers. Okay. Um, so that wasn't really out of my wheelhouse or anything like that. So I was looking for more a, a job within the culinary field, but that had better hours. And um, I went by the shop to pick up some spices, and I had gotten to know the previous owners. We became friendly with each other, and mm-hmm. I walked in that day, and they said, we're ready to retire. Do you want to buy our shop? So I did. And so... Um, okay, wait, wait. Let's, so they hadn't, like, that was it. They hadn't teed it up before that? You didn't know that they were ready to retire? No. Um, we talked a lot in the shop. They were great folks, and uh-huh. they were great business people, but they didn't know anything about food, and they were pretty becoming pretty aware of um, not being able to fully answer the customer's questions um, and not be able to do the kind of marketing and branding around it that needed to be done. Um, They were just entrepreneurs. They just wanted to own a small business. Mm -hmm. And um, so they built this based on the model of a candy store where you go in and you pick and you put it in the bag and they weigh it. And, um, for spices, though. Yeah. And it was a pretty, um, it was a smart concept, yeah. but they, they weren't cooks. And, um, so we had, you know, I would often in the shop when I would go shopping, I would end up answering customers' questions while they were shopping because mm-hmm. I could hear them struggling mm-hmm. with the questions. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, so then I bought the shop and, you know, took it from there. Okay. So it was a it was a mere um, s- skeleton when I bought it. Okay. And then I just built on that. Yeah. So um, so let's just talk about what the shop is today and some of the you know you have cooking classes or y'all y'all did at one point I think right. Maybe no, we have cooking, cooking classes. classes. Okay. Yeah. So this is the thing. Okay. We really have cooking classes I... because that was my pandemic project. I oh. built in. I expanded at least the space next door and built in a cooking classroom. I closed on the loan to build the cooking classroom the day John Bell Edwards sent us home. And I sat in the bank's office and wept. Oh, my god! Because I was like, what are we doing? We're building in a place for people to gather. And we've just been told not to gather. So I want to make that really, really clear. Did she teach cooking classes? Will she teach cooking classes? We teach cooking classes (laughs) right now okay love it so okay so first of all I'm kind of gonna I have a tendency to be all over the place and I have a lot of thoughts going through my head I uh am always fascinated by anybody who can cook and like I, I would assume you could probably just like you know what to do with all the spices without having to read a recipe right like what tastes good with what you're asking, do I know how to yeah, do I'm that? Yeah, I'm assuming you do. Like, that's, that's like, mind-blowing to me. Like, I have to read a recipe and follow it to a T before I can cook any. Like, I don't know if I could walk into your shop and be like, I want that spice so I can make that. I'd be like, Ann, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I have some salmon. What do I do with it? You well, know? we can easily meet you where you are. And if you have salmon, we have a lot of answers to that question. But at some point, a lot of people say that. They say, I have all these spices and I don't know what to do with them. And at some point... A little bit of the work is on you. At some point, the artist has to put some paint on the canvas. Mm-hmm. So you're going to need to get a potato okay. or some pasta okay. or a boneless, skinless chicken breast, okay. which are all blank canvases. Right, I was going to say, I feel like I can do that. And start. 
So I can write recipes all day long. I can talk about it at mm-hmm. our tasting bar, bar all day long. But a little bit of the work is on the customer to get in their kitchen and try it out. Yeah. Now, you can type that spice in on my website, and you're going to come up with all sorts of ideas and recipes to guide you. Um, but no, we don't expect... Um, I certainly didn't know what to do with every single spice when I bought the shop, and I'm a culinarian. Mm-hmm. You know, we definitely have evolved over the past nine years. Um, but yeah, at some point, you just have to try it. You just have to pull something out that's not a, you know, don't get a lobster, but a potato. <laughs> that sounds very intimidating. <laughs> yeah, a potato isn't going to break the bank. And what if you ruin it? Yeah. You threw a potato away. Yeah. My friend Allison used to always say, be fearless in the kitchen. And I feel like that a lot of people get intimidated by that because you're right. What if you mess something up or like it just tastes terrible? Sure. I feel like in order to make a recipe or to make something, it's trial and error sometimes, right? You just have to like move past the fact that it might not taste good. Yeah. Um, So let's talk about the cooking classes that you guys are doing right now. Mm -hmm. So do you have, I I checked it out because um, I've had a couple of, uh, ladies groups that I'm in, uh, involved in, in with our industry, the retirement plan industry. And so um, we were looking at your website because we thought that would kind of be like a fun little thing to do. Um, do you have themes for months or do you just kind of like as we go in closer to Thanksgiving or the cooking classes around Thanksgiving? How do you, I guess, how do you structure them? Yeah, we, um, you know, we teach some classes over and over and over no matter what the month is. But yeah, we're moving into Thanksgiving. So there's autumn theme classes right now. Um, but for private classes, if a group wants to come in, we can do groups of up to 12. Okay. You can customize your menu. So the sky's the limit. Oh, really? A okay. lot of them want to do a class that's already on the website mm-hmm. and because we have certain classes that are always sold out. So they're like, I'm tired of trying to get into my big fat, fat Greek cooking class. You know, how do I... And we say, get a group of eight, you know, minimum of eight, max of 12, and we'll teach you that class. We do it all the time. Okay. So is everybody actually cooking, or are you yep. guys doing a demo? So it is like hands-on, you are cooking. No, everyone's hands-on. Okay. It depends on um, the type of class, but most classes we call divide and conquer, meaning everyone cooks a different dish, and then that dish comes together at the end as a full meal, and everyone sits and enjoys it. So it just depends, you know, it depends on the class. So... Um, for example, in our paella class, it's nothing but paella. You know, each group is making a different paella, but all you eat in that class is paella. Okay. Tonight, we're teaching Taco Tuesday, and it's all tacos. It's okay. all different like that's, tacos. that's got to be a popular class. So this Who is... doesn't love tacos? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, very popular. Anything we do around chilies or tacos or... Um, any sort of Latin or Tex-Mex, that is, it's a very broad category, and we very much westernized that food here in this country. Mm-hmm. So we um, we honor that, you know, that the, that's our palate and that's what we like, but we do try to teach around the authenticity of those dishes and those spices. Um, so the bottom line is your, my goal is for you to work, leave with your belly full and your noggin full of information. So there's teachable moments all through the evening. We'll stop the action every once in a while and do a demo. We have a a camera that shows our hands, you know, up on a big screen so everyone can see. So if we need to do a quick knife skills lesson or if we want to teach a small sauce or, you know, side or something like that, um, those moments happen all through the evening. And, you know, we just... 
kind of get in there and read the room. We've mm-hmm. had companies come in with team building, and we're like, are you a team? Um, and then, but really, are you a team? And then other groups who are there pretty much have a cocktail party. So um, I was going to ask if there was any wine or anything served with this. So you're welcome to bring that in. Okay. Um, but yeah, we've had nights where no one wanted a teachable moment, you know, so we just sort of read the room. But for the most part, it, you know, especially for our public classes where it's a group of 12 who don't know each other. That's what I was going to ask too. Um, those folks are there to learn. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to go home and replicate this in their home kitchen. And we are very, very aware of that. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody going home confused or overwhelmed. We want the recipes to be doable. Um, we try not to get into recipes that are, you know, have you ever seen recipes where the ingredient list, you just immediately say no. You turn the page. I turn the page. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're very aware of that's how cooks sort of move in the world. And we try to cull it down, but still get you home to be able to make some delicious meals. So those classes are um, always really interesting because most everybody there is, they really want to wrap their brain around how to cook this. It's such a lost art or, you know, really honestly an activity. We've just gotten away from home cooking. The stats on it are, were really, really bad in the aughts, in the beginning 2000s. It was dismal how little we were cooking. That's actually rebounded. It was slowly rebounded. And then we've had a massive like hockey stick rebound during COVID. Uh-huh. So um, people seem genuinely concerned with being able to get in their kitchen and be successful. I, I will say I much prefer to, even though I'm a terrible cook or I'm decent, I don't give myself enough credit. I would much prefer home cooking than eating out. No knock against all of our love, our awesome local business and restaurants. Those are great. But, you know, I really do. Um, so I do have Crohn's as well. And I just, you know, I, I, I like to know what's going in my food. Um, I like to try to eat as clean as I possibly can. And it's just when you go out to eat, that's a little bit harder to to figure out, you know, what's, what's actually in that food. So um, one of the things, though, that I would say that I struggle with because this, of course, is turning into a podcast about how is Anne going to solve Melissa's problems, is weeknight cooking and getting something on the table kind of fast. You know, and I'm sure that you have, especially nowadays, I've talked about this on other podcasts where our society probably has a huge issue with just like overworking and the more you work, the the higher up you move and stuff like that. And I just, I think the pandemic helped shift that a little bit, but I feel like we're slowly going back into our, you know, our old habits. But that being said, like, Sometimes I get home between 6 and 6.30, and, you know, I don't really want to eat at 9 o'clock at night. So do you have um, options? You know, if somebody came in and said, again, I have some salmon, what would be the best way to cook that with something, I don't know, like, Anne, what what, what can I cook tonight, <laughs> basically? So when I get asked this question, I think people want a bullet point of three or five recipes. I'm a CPA, and of course I want a bullet point. (laughs) So, and I could do that, but again, I'm going to put, I'm going to ask you to have a little bit of skin in this game, Mm -hmm. that I'm going to ask you to do a little bit of work at home, and I'm going to ask you to learn how to manage heat and how to learn some techniques. Okay. And that's going to require getting some tools in your kitchen, and they may already be there. One is a cast iron skillet. Everyone should have one. One is a non-stick skillet. 
So a nonstick skillet is when I think of a home cook and he or she has pulled up this recipe, they put it in a skillet, it sticks to the skillet, they're struggling, it doesn't look like the Pinterest picture. I've just lost them for probably a while, for probably weeks. So if I can get you a tool that will prevent that from happening, that's just game changing well, actually, for me. It's I can life changing. I can get you back in the kitchen the next night. It's life changing. So you need a sheet pan. Okay. You I need think to, I, I, so far I'm doing pretty good. Okay. I think I have all of these check, things. Check. <laughs> and I think you need an instant pot. I have one. Okay. All right. Look at that, Anne. See? Come on. So now <laughs> what I'm going to Now what I'm going to ask you to do is learn how to manage heat. Yeah, I don't know how get, to do that. Get to know that cast iron. Every brand of cast iron is different. How much heat does it hold? I my cast iron, I can sear a steak on one side and cook it for a while on that one side. Flip it, turn the heat off, and my cast iron will finish cooking it. I don't know if your cast iron can do that, and you need to try that out with a grilled cheese sandwich or an egg. Wow. And get to know that cast iron. And then suddenly, that chicken, salmon, pork tenderloin, Brussels sprouts, suddenly you are roasting and Instagramming with the best because you're going to get that beautiful GBD, golden brown and delicious, look on that food, which everyone wants. Sheet pan. Crank the oven heat up. 350 degrees is for chumps. That's a bill of goods Betty Crocker sold us. It's there for a cake and cupcakes. But if you want to roast cauliflower, mm -hmm. if you want that salmon in seven minutes, mm -hmm. talk, eating at 9 o'clock, come on. You're going to be eating at 7.15. In seven minutes, you're going to have salmon if you trust that you can crank that heat up in that oven definitely to 400. I'm roasting salmon at 500 degrees, but I know my oven, I know my pan, I've done it so many times. Then when you get those techniques under your belt, then you're gonna be changing up the flavors. That salmon's gonna be Moroccan one night, and next week it's gonna be traditional Seattle, brown sugar, dill, salmon, and then the following, you know, you're going to start to be able to play around with flavors once you understand what those tools can do in your oven, in your kitchen. But this is the part no one likes. That work is yours. <laughs> it's not mine. But you're very inspirational, yeah. Anne. Like, I'm like, ooh, I'm going to go roast some salmon. Yeah. So I'll tell you, and my sister, I'm going to tell you a quick story about, I mean, I love, you said roasted cauliflower. Like, there is nothing I love more than roasted vegetables, roasted Brussels sprouts, roasted cauliflower, roasted broccoli. And Anne, I mean, I just struggle with some roasted broccoli. I really <laughs> took a picture one day and I was told my sister, because she like gave me exactly what she does. And I'm like, this is not working. Like it was, I, I, it was charred, which I like, but it wasn't tender at all. It was almost like dehydrated for lack of better Probably words. Probably managing your heat. Yeah. 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 Really, I don't <laughs> Thank <make> you. Heat. <laughs> Anne's like, that's I'm a heat problem, Melissa. <laughs> no, I love this because truth, truthfully, and I really, I do enjoy actually cooking on the weekends. You know, like it's supposed to be beautiful this weekend. Like I'm excited to, to get in my kitchen and stuff. But I do think you can home cook during the week and it not be stressful. You just, you have to have the tools. Absolutely. And a big part of home cooking, and you're right about knowing what's in it and um, 
you know, it, it's cleaner, yeah. you said earlier. Yeah. But there's a big mental health part to cooking okay. at home, okay. either for yourself or the people you love. There is magic in that moment when it, you know, we have a lot of words that we add on to home cooking. Stressful, a chore, it's a mess. Oh my God, I've said all these things, man. Yeah. So when we start to flip the script and get rid of those words as, as modifiers on home cooking, it's a game changer. So I, what I would say to a mom who just got back from soccer and it's seven-ish and everyone's mad and everyone's exhausted and hangry, Mm -hmm. go ahead and order the pizza. That's not going to be a positive experience in the kitchen. Now, I could get her to a place where there's lots of things in her fridge and freezer that could probably get her there, but I also don't want that her to have this expectation. But Anne said I could do it on a weeknight. Not in that not in that scenario. And there's a science project due the next right. morning. Go ahead and order the pizza. Gotcha. What you just described this weekend, you kind of carved it out. Mm-hmm. So make the most of it. And that's just, you don't have to have that magical moment where there's a rainbow and a little bird chirping outside of your window. You're not going to be able to duplicate that every day, but make the most of it that day and be okay with not great days in between. It's sort of like exercise. I love this. I'm soaking all this in. I needed this today. (laughs) I used to think I had to go all in all the time, every single day. And I find my body just said, no, you can't. And I realized that two or three times a week got me there. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of the same thing. Yeah, and I love that. And I do feel like, you know, when it is such an enjoyable experience, like nothing's, I get so much satisfaction, and maybe it's just because I'm proud of myself when I make something, and it's just so good, and you're really enjoying it, right? Um, and on the flip side, it kind of stinks whenever it's not good. But it, I made, I made a gumbo from scratch. Well, I used the Gidry's. The onion mix. Oh, that's okay. But I made it with gluten-free flour. Yep. I was like, okay. And literally, I told myself this. I was like, okay, if this doesn't... I told my husband, I was like, I'm doing a gumbo on on a Saturday a couple weeks ago. I said, if if this doesn't work, because I'm making it with gluten-free flour, and then I think I used a different type of oil that, you know, something that was trying to stay away from anything that causes inflammation... So I can't remember what, I might have just used ghee, actually. I'm mm-hmm. just going to try ghee. We're going to see if it's going to work. So the color was a little bit different, but I actually mentally told myself, if this doesn't work, we will order out and it'll be okay. Right. <laughs> we will be okay. But it worked and it came out great. And I was like, ooh, I'm so proud of myself. It's such an amazing feeling. Yes. We feel so strongly about, like if you come in our cooking, in our teaching kitchen, it's beautiful. Oh, it's I'm just. Sure. It's, I think I've seen pictures of it. I, I mean, pictures all over social media, right? Everything about it is just the most luxe home kitchen. The lighting, everything. We just want everyone to feel like they're in this great environment for cooking. And I just I, I just want everyone to feel that positive and that into it when they're at home. So much so that I created a Spotify playlist, a cooking playlist, that folks can doubt like what I listen to while I'm cooking. I, I think listening to music when I cook. Right? I think it's the whole thing, you know, that you're listening to music, you might have a glass of wine poured, you know, that that is just such a energy boost, a mental health boost. And then when the food turns out great, you know, it's just like, 
Oh, it's, like it's magic. Okay. I'm yeah. Not, this are you, is, are yeah. you also a huge proponent of eating dinner around the table, like, as a family? So, I'm supposed to say yes, because that's what <laughs> everyone says. But I feel really, I get asked this a lot, and I feel really fraudulent when I answer it, because my family did not. It's not, not your thing. We didn't. We couldn't, because we were all fractured in so many different directions. Mm-hmm. I think if it happens... When it can happen, then you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. I think the forcing of it is where things go wrong. You know, especially when you have a picky eater at the table. Mm-hmm. So, um, absolutely, if you guys have the time and can do it, do it. But I don't, I'm not a proponent of forcing it. I don't think it's a, there's any number to it. Like, you should do it five nights a week mm-hmm. or four nights, you know, that. When it can happen, let it happen. And and there's positive feelings around it, too. Right. It's not forced. Versus forcing it every night. I think this, this, theory, this concept can be applied in so many aspects of life, right? The forcing and the not forcing. Because I am so type A, Anne. Like, if it is a day that I'm supposed to do my lower body workout, I'm going to do that lower body workout. But sometimes forcing it is a terrible experience. You're sore. You're tired. Uh, to, to bring it back to that, I love the example that you said about if it's a mom. I don't have any kids, but I have a husband, and he's the cleaner, and I'm the cooker, you know. But, you know, if you're coming home, and you plan to cook, but it's 730, and you got to get the kids, you know, you got all this stuff to do, it's okay not to cook. Because when you force something, you have end up having a bad experience, and that's what you have. That I mean, that sticks with you. Yeah, those are those memories that you have, right? When you want them to be very happy. Right. And you start to blame the wrong person. Like, yeah, when I force that people. workout, I'm mad at the gym. Mm-hmm. It's not their fault. No. <laughs> and so, yeah, we start to blame the wrong people just because we have this expectation of how it's supposed to turn out, and it didn't. Yeah, Expectations, right? Lainey, Lainey told me one time that low expectations are the key to life. I was like, okay. I don't know if that's the best <laughs> advice. <laughs> but you're right, though. I mean, you're right. And I do that. And I just, I, 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 I really just want to go to your shop and just buy everything and, and kind of, and take one of the classes as well. So in addition to this, because, and I'm assuming you're, are you the one that are, um, teaching the classes? I teach a lot of them. Okay. I have, um, other instructors that, that teach for me, and something really interesting has started to happen. Um, I had a customer, he's the CEO, I'll just say who he is, Jim, CEO Presonus. Oh, okay. And he's... Our headphones. Our headphones are from Presonus. There you go. Uh Um, He is a customer of mine, he just loves food, and he said, I would really love, and he... He teaches our paella class. He teaches our salsa class. Oh. He digs into one thing and just really learns about it and perfects it. So he's like our master class teacher. Wow. And then my friend and attorney came to me and he was like, you know, I he and he's been a foodie forever. He was like, I love um, Mediterranean food, specifically the food that's served at Shia in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I would love to teach a class about that. Then I had an English professor come to me from LSU. And she said, I'm Indian. I was raised in England. I can do a London meets India class. So she's going to start teaching for me. I have registered dietitians who teach for me. So it's almost like this 
I don't want to call them outsiders because they're not outsiders, but, and it's not a, enough to be a side hustle, mm -hmm. but they've all, one common thread through all of my conversations with me was, that I had with them was, I just want to do something that takes me out of my professional world for a little while and I can chat with people. That's why we're doing this podcast, Anne. And <laughs> I was, because I was, you know, talking to friends of mine who are chefs, contacting the culinary schools. Can anybody teach? Can anybody teach? And they're all great culinarians and they're all great teachers, but it got really chefy. It got really like a lot of $20 words and, you know, and bringing in these professionals who really, really know the dishes they're teaching, but they're also regular real world people has been really interesting for me. So now I'm like, wait, now I'm just going to help train folks to come in and teach classes. There's no prep look. We do all the shopping. Everything's prepped and we wash the dishes. They walk in, they teach, they drop the mic and they walk out. And so they've had this two hours to mingle with 12 people and talk about their absolute favorite thing, whether it's paella or salsa or hummus or curry, and they're done. There's So it's like, oh, I can do, I can find folks like this to come in and teach, um, and it's just been a great experience. Yeah, that's awesome, and I feel like people that are taking those classes can resonate with those teachers too, right? They're yeah. probably professionals or they're doing something else, and that's, I love that. Good for, good for the instructors I will never be an instructor and I will probably need to take classes for the rest of my life okay <laughs> I just feel like you're building such a cool community of yeah. people that might not have come together like otherwise well my I'm kind of a fangirl of Jenny Peters mm. who owns varsity mm -hmm. sports yeah and let's just be completely clear on this she has built this business in multiple markets around an activity that is free to do, mm -hmm. and you can run anywhere, anywhere. Mm -hmm. And she has, she is so knowledgeable, and so community minded that we go to her to run away from her. It's fascinating to me, and I love watching what she's done. And not to compare myself to Jenny Peters or say that I could ever be at that level, but. I would love for what I do, cooking, for me to be known as where you get expert advice and are welcomed and none of your questions are dumb um, and you learn how to do this thing. So that I always think about, like, what would Jenny do? Yeah. Um, when, you know. Well, yeah, she's kind of like a role model. Yes. Know, mentor. I mean, she's, I don't know her personally, but I feel like I've always wanted to know her. I'll see her running around the lakes, you know, and there's a couple of friends I run with that know her, but she's very inspirational. Yeah. I mean, and we see those t-shirts everywhere. Yes. Um, which is brilliant marketing. I'm brilliant. But she truly does believe in, love, and want to help the running community. Yeah of Baton Rouge. And I just feel like I'm, I, I want to be that for home cooks. And, and this is why, again, I love our small little city of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, because I, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. I mean, I've never lived anywhere else, but I feel like in Baton Rouge, it's okay. You love cooking. Jenny loves running. And then we expand on those passions to just build this community. Right. And it's so, it's, it's, 
incredibly inspirational to me. Like you're inspirational. I was reading the, the questionnaire and I, and I, we were looking at your uh, blog or what was this from the website, Maggie? It, it's um. I was like, ooh, or, I'm going to be ready to get in the kitchen after this podcast episode. So um, when it comes to the holidays, right, do you guys have any, I mean, I'm going to say this and I'm not probably, this is probably going to sound really cliche, but I was just wondering, do y'all have any like sets or gift sets or something that are good for people to like do you have like a get started set or you know something for thanksgiving i don't know what i'm just yeah yeah so we have Uh, my um, ignorance about kitchen stuff is coming out but go ahead so we have three jar spice blend sets that are a great way to get some great flavors into um the hands of uh, your gift recipient. So they are themed uh, and they, um, the grilling set seems like it's just for grilling, but when you go and type in that information on the website, you're gonna see that they're super versatile. Then we have sets that have spices and oils or spices and balsamic vinegar. Um, We also sell the essential um, spice kit Mm. and it's um, the 11 essential spices to that we've, that. I curated that um, can get you to a lot of different dishes. Um, So that's something we sell a lot for um, weddings and um, college grads and definitely at Christmas. So that's a great essential spice starter. Um, But right now we're dealing with, as everyone is, with supply chain issues. And so many of the things that we need are on containers sitting off the the coast of Los Angeles. Yep, yep. But what's not in a container is a cooking class. So those are that makes a great gift. You can do a gift certificate for a gift card for a cooking class, and they can just choose the class they want to take. Oh, okay. Um, and it never expires. But something that happened last year was we had lots of families buying a private cooking class as their gift to each other. Because we get to a certain age and we don't need another candle. Um, and so giving an experience is a great thing to give. So a cooking class is a great, great holiday gift, either for an individual or to buy it, to buy an entire private class for your family to come back and take. And most of them took the classes like in March, you know, they bought it at Christmas, but they came back and took it when it was, um, not such a busy time during the holidays. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really, really neat to see um, families with um, older children in the family doing this as an experience versus, versus buying them an object. Love that. I'm a huge, I'm a huge proponent of experience and right. memories. You remember that stuff. And right. we all just want to get together and, and make memories together. And let's just be honest, a lot of us don't need any more things. You know what I mean? Right. I'm trying to like, I feel like I clean stuff out and then I go buy more stuff. I don't need any more things. It doesn't have that lasting impression on you, I don't think. Right. And you don't yeah. have to worry about supply chain issues if you <laughs> buy cooking class. That's right. <laughs> so, um, one of the, uh, this just popped in my brain when you were talking about oils and vinegars. Um, so I have found that bottled salad dressings, I don't really like them. They're I'm basically really just good. using them for convenience. But I'm finding as like even if I make like a you know grilled chicken salad at home, I'm like, it's just not. It's just so easy to make a make a right. dressing. So I'm assuming that you have ingredients in your store that right. will help with that. Because again, I become like I basically. I mean, I'm a pretty intelligent person, but I become like you know a moron when it comes to that type of stuff. 
So what, what I find with bottle dressings is I use it a couple of times, and I like it, but then I don't use the rest of me, it. Me neither. So when you go on our website and you search vinaigrette, they're really small quantities. You know, oh, it's just good. enough for a salad or two. But a vinaigrette can come together. So those are recipes that have a little bit of shallot and maybe some herbs, some mustard, you know, a traditional vinaigrette. But you can pull a vinaigrette together by combining an oil and a vinegar. I take them each bo- one bottle in each hand and just, just pour. pour it. And the way you get to those flavor combinations is when you come in the shop, you go to our tasting bar and you taste. My staff pours you taste. And they start to say, okay, rosemary, olive oil, and blackcurrant vinegar. You're going to bring those two together, and that's going to be delicious on a salad with spring mix, some blue cheese or goat cheese, nuts, maybe a berry, maybe a blueberry or a strawberry, you know, and they're going to start to talk to you about what they cook in their kitchen or what we've tried in the shop. But that, when you start doing that, those opportunities become endless. Then, so then you buy the rosemary and you buy the blackcurrant. You know, you've got a killer vinaigrette on your hands when you get that home, but you also have rosemary olive oil to roast um, lamb chops or a whole roast chicken, or that pan of broccoli that you were talking about earlier. And then you have black currant balsamic, that's going to glaze a duck breast, or that lamb chop, be a great glaze for that lamb chop, or chicken. So you didn't go home with a vinaigrette, you went home with two tools that can get you to a vinaigrette, but are going to take you a whole lot of other places. Yeah, see, oh, I'm so I'm hungry. <laughs> I know. Now I'm like, oh man, that blue cheese. Because again, I mean, I like, let's talk about Instagram and Pinterest. You know, people can make these, I love a good salad. Like I love a beautiful salad with fresh vegetables and greens. And I just feel like I'm disappointed when I make this salad and I pour this, you know, God knows what's in this dressing from a bottle, you know. Um, I have been thinking about that lately but yeah my, like a lot of times my husband and I will cook something and we'll do like a little side salad and he's like do you want one I'm like no we don't have any good dressing because again I've used like two or three the dressing two or three times and it's still like three quarters full and I'm like but I don't want that anymore right you know? right so um that's gonna be one of my I'm a goal setter and so you know we'll just put and it I'm into a problem one. solver so I love it. Ashman in heaven. <laughs> yes thank god because I need all the help I can get so um, so outside of this and your passion, do you have any hobbies or? So, um, we, my husband and I do a lot of gardening okay. and we've just discovered the need for getting native plants in our landscape. Okay. So I can go down the rabbit hole of food for hours and I discovered that my brain also wants to do that same thing with plants and I've never had a green thumb. Yeah, me neither. Like, I buy the weekly orchid from Trader Joe's, you know. Yeah. And my husband will give me an orchid. I'm like, thank you for giving me an or- another orchid to kill. <laughs> but we have really um, embraced that. So, other than that, we're both small business owners. Okay. And we work for fun. I know yeah. that sounds crazy. It but, doesn't. It doesn't. Um, your passion. Yeah. It probably doesn't really feel like work. It, it doesn't. And we're both, we both love a little puzzle to solve. And that's what a small business is constantly. It's it's a little or sometimes a big something to solve. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. What does he do? 
Um, he, he owns Digital FX. It's a production company here in Baton Rouge mm-hmm. off of Perkins okay. near Pennington. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Okay, so small, yeah. So my husband is a small business owner, and so we're both kind of like, you know, I don't want to say, I hate to say running the rat race, but our, my, I love what I do here, you know, and so um, while it can be stressful at times, I still truly love the clients and the people that we get to mm-hmm. meet. So you have your own podcast? I do. Smidgen. It's like a pod. I was like, I saw that. And I was like, oh, Lord, I'm kind of intimidated because her podcast is probably legit. So <laughs> what is Smidgen about? Smidgen is a podcast for home cooks. Okay. So um, each season has been a little bit different. Okay. The last season, um, we've had guests. Um, but the last season was just all me and my producer. And what we did each week was solved a problem. We just really dug into what I, I'm constantly asking my staff, what are you hearing mm-hmm. a lot in the shop? What is the pain point right now? And then we just set out to solve that problem. And But every season has an episode on boneless, skinless chicken breast. Oh, perfect. Because... That is the number one question we get. And I used to be snarky. I still am snarky a lot of, a lot of the time. But when people would say, what can I do to get boneless skinless chicken breasts to taste better? My answer would be, don't buy them. <laughs> buy thighs. Yes. But it is bottom line, a convenience product. They are everywhere. They are fresh. They are frozen. And I said, I have to stop being snarky. I need to answer the question. <laughs> So every season has an episode on boneless, skinless chicken breast. <laughs> I love that. Don't yeah. buy them by thighs. <laughs> yeah, I see. I'll, I'm kind of, I'll listen to that advice. I, but you're right about chicken breasts. I do feel like people just, they cook a lot of chicken breasts, you know. They dry out. <laughs> yeah. I they, like thigh meat. <laughs> they do. Yeah. No, they do. Again, I, I, I kind of think sometimes, and this is why I love getting in the kitchen and making something home-cooked and delicious, because... You're, when it tastes good, it's so it's just so good. You know, like nothing's worse to me than like just eating something for the sake of eating it because you have to eat like a dry chicken breast, if that makes any sense. Right. right. No, it's very satisfying. Yes. When when you set out to make something and it's really good, like there's there's so much pride around that, and I just think that goes back to that mental health component. I, you know? I totally agree with it's, that. It's such a mood boost when that happens. Yes. Uh, yes. And I don't know about any of y'all, but I have like cooking anxiety. Anytime I'm preparing food for other people, yes. it's, it makes me nervous. You got to build up your confidence in the kitchen. Don't yeah. You think, Anne? Yeah. You've got to get really good at, at one or two things mm-hmm. and, and then change it up from there. Like, Maybe not even really good at one or two recipes, but get really good at one or two techniques and then start applying other things to it. Okay. So speaking of techniques, Anne, what do you think about the sous vide? So the sous vide is fun and we taught a couple of classes around it and we love, you know, one thing about back to Jim over at Personas is that when he started teaching classes for me, um, I was like, oh, dudes are here. Because it's a predominantly female, my store is predominantly female clientele, and the cooking classes were predominantly female. I was like, all right, let me sit back and watch this. And and so he was, it was subject matter that was interesting to them, and the sous vide class were almost all dudes, which of course we're, we're fine with. So teaching a sous vide class is tough um, because there's... A good bit of time involved with yeah. a lot of these dishes. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to find a whole lot of sous vide classes 
on our schedule, but you will find classes where we factor in a sous vide. The same thing with the Instant Pot. We taught Instant Pot classes, and then we're all like, okay, we can't teach Instant Pot classes. This is, this is taking forever, but we use the Instant Pot as a tool within other classes. So I love it. I think it is... Perhaps not your weeknight go-to technique, but it is definitely a, it could be a parlor trick, you know, for when you have guests over mm-hmm. to, to do something and, and talk to them about it. Um, but it is a game changer when it comes to um, tough cuts of beef. Right. And maybe even managing heat because it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to, I mean. Even I can do it, right? I mean, you set the thing at a certain temperature, right. and that's what it is. Right. Okay, so I was just curious, because I was like, oh, if Ann says that that's not a good technique, I'll go throw my wife and throw away my sous vide and get something else, you know? If it's working for you, yeah. and you turn out an amazing meal, it's the right technique for you. So, because you said that, a signature dish, and one of the things, I am not a huge red meat eater, mm-hmm. um, but every once in a while, I crave a filet, mm-hmm. and like... I have, I'm like really good at cooking fillets. Mm-hmm. So when we go to my in-laws at the river, they're like, oh, they call me Missy. Missy's cooking the fillets. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to cook it like rare because mm-hmm. I can't bring myself to cook it any more than that. You know, they like it a little bit more done. So um, I would say that I'm pretty good at that. I, I would cook that for people, actually. I'll come over for that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, that's the one thing I think I can do. And I can throw some red beans. You know, I have a really good red bean and rice crock pot recipe. So, um, okay. So, and just for our listeners that maybe aren't familiar, where, again, is your store located? We're at 660 Jefferson Highway. We're in Mid-City on Jefferson, right where it meets Government Street. We're in a strip center with Reginelli's Pizza. That's usually the landmark that folks recognize. And then I have a little miniature version of my shop in the Main Street Market, which is at 500, at 5th and Main, downtown. So it is open during the week at lunchtime for the downtown crowd, crowd, Mm -hmm. all the offices that are there. Um, But then we're open with the farmers at the farmer's market on Saturday morning. That's when I've been. Yeah, Yeah, so um, we're inside the little food court there. We're right adjacent. The street is right outside with the farmers. As a matter of fact, we have a farm tour this Saturday where we'll be um, touring folks through the farm, through the farmer's market, then over to Iverstein's Butcher, then over to um, Fullness Farm, which is a little urban farm right in the middle of Baton Rouge. Okay, I've been to Iverstein's and it is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, and so I did notice though on your questionnaire that you did have a couple of shout outs. So one of them was to um, Chelsea, who is your social media person. Right. Chelsea. Blankenship. Yeah, I thought that's who it was. So yeah. we've had Chelsea on. Yeah. Um, and we, she's fantastic. Yes. And so we've had, we had her and her sister on and we did um, a podcast about SOSIS, the right. boutique, and I actually met Chelsea from uh, Baton Rouge Area Chamber Leadership Club. Yeah. Uh, so when I saw that, I was like, man, everybody loves Chelsea mm-hmm. because she's great. She's great. So and yeah. social, social media is challenging. Um, very. <laughs> um, and she and I met, um, we were in a service group together at one point, and then when I realized I couldn't manage the social media on my own anymore, I contacted her. But Chelsea... And then Reagan Labat, mm-hmm. who is my photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, for a long time, I did all my own photography, or my husband did my photography. So it, when you do it yourself, you get a true appreciation for the professionals out there who are doing it. Um, but they, I'm a lot. I'm, um, you know, my 
thoughts are scattered. People call me a hot mess. I've been described as Lucille Ball, you know, like I, but I also am just a lot. Um, and they meet me where I am and they get me. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people compliment me on my branding and my social media presence and I can't take any of that credit because they are able to kind of corral everything that I do and turn it into a really cohesive message. Yeah. Um, so definitely want to give those two ladies, they, you know, they, they're pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, and so that's a skill, right? And it's kind of interesting that nowadays it's a true skill and it's always changing and trying to figure out engagement and the photography, you know, behind it. Like I'm pretty terrible at taking pictures. Um, so you were voted most funny in high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my sister was like second or third in her class. And then my brother, you know, is just brilliant. And then, uh, and I'm like the caboose. And so that was my big claim to fame in high school. I was hey, most funny. Being funny. Yeah. It's she a- was like, that's great. And <laughs> they don't give scholarships for that. <laughs> Okay, we have to talk about So Good Tea. Yes, I was, yeah, going, that yeah, was, yeah. I was going there. Yeah. So when I bought the shop nine years ago, they had a little line of loose teas, and I knew nothing about tea. Like, the only question I could answer about tea was sweet or unsweet. Mm-hmm. And so people were coming in um, and asking me about tea, and I was like, I got to figure this out. And so I was just like, okay, it's a leaf. It's not food, but it's a leaf. So I know the, I know what happens if I take asparagus and I boil it versus grill it. So I've got to wrap my head around this leaf and what happens to it at different temps and all that sort of stuff. So I started studying and, um, up until COVID, I went every year to California and I studied under tea masters and started earning like certifications. Wow. And so for what it's worth, I'm a tea sommelier. Okay. So um, not only were you most funny, <laughs> Right, I am a tea sommelier, um, but tea is the is coffee in California, and it is moving this way. So, um, I just wanted to understand everything about tea. And what I understand, what I very quickly wanted to put in place was that we are here for the purist. We are here for the person who wants to come talk to us about which estate in which season did the golden oolong get harvested. Okay. We're also here for the person who walks in and says, I want peach tea. Yeah. (laughs) So we want to be all, both of those things. We want neither to be right nor wrong. We just want to be all of it. So I started learning about this beverage. I cup teas every day, just like coffee folks cup coffee every day. I cup tea every day. I make my employees cup tea with me. Constantly writing my flavor sheets, you know, just really just dug in. So... We started blending. Then we were like, oh, we're going to blend teas. And then we became like Willy Wonka in the back. And I was like, we have to stop blending tea because it would, it would never end. It's like flavored vodka. Like it, it never ends. So, but we came up with some really good blends. So now we have all these great blends of teas. We know how to steep a cup of tea. So I was like, so when we started blending teas, I branded it. And the brand is Sogo Tea. Sogo, South of Government. Just barely. But I am South ago. <laughs> so we branded the teas, and I said, I want it to be a place. I want to be a place where a barista will brew you a cup of tea. And let me tell you what it does. Of all the pain points in the shop, tea is the great, is the biggest one. We can get people past a food pain point. 
way faster than a T pain point. I think folks are intimidated by tea. I think they have that cup, that bitter cup of tea, and they are done. Mm -hmm. Like, they never want that to happen again. I think they've taken home canisters of teas from other retailers and not liked it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we have, it is a, it is a, a set of questions that we really work hard to try to get past, and sometimes we just can't. So I was like, folks need to be able to come in and just get a cup of tea. And then say, oh, I really like this. Can I buy it? Can I take it home? And then we go from there. So we saw it with the tasting of spices and oils and vinegars at the tasting bar, how quickly that gets a problem solved once you can taste it. And I said, we have to be able to do that with tea. We do it, we were doing it in a small way up until now. We could only brew like, one flavor a day but in this instance you'll be able the barista will be able to brew you whatever you'd like plus we're going to do lattes and wellness drinks and um there's gonna be six seats in there you can come and sit and use our wi-fi and work so it's a it's small in terms of like a coffee shop but it's big in terms of the what you can learn when you walk in. Yeah, so has it, it hasn't opened yet. It has not. Okay. So um, we are very, very close. Okay. Um, and they're working furiously to get all the equipment in. But yeah, we're hoping within two weeks we'll be open. Well, sounds like both Red Stick uh, Spice and the Sogo Tea are going to be on our next local crawl. This is what we do as Louisiana Ladies Podcast. Nice. Yes, you know, because we're a big deal. Ain't no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we do love it. We did it. A couple of months ago, we went over to Sosis and saw Chelsea and, and filmed it. I'm such a ham, like the video starts, and I'm like, I'm Melissa, I'm here. But this sounds great. I love all of this. All um, of our guests are a big deal, so I guess it like kind of rubs off on us. Yeah, <laughs> the guests are really the big deal. We're just like out there, you know, having fun. But um, congratulations on your success, and Thank you're you. such an inspiration to, to people. Um and thank you so much for coming in today. I yeah. know that you're busy and clearly opening up a whole other store. Uh, so you can find Anne on, and Red Stick Spice on social media. Um, go to her store. I think going to the store to me, like physically going Actually. to the store is probably the best the best bet. Um, last thing, though, favorite vacation you've been on was in Asheville. Yeah. I've been wanting to go there, like, for years. Yeah, Asheville, North Carolina is a food destination Ooh. for sure. Um, and then you can do little excursions to go hiking, you know, and do all the nature stuff. But it is a food and art destination. Nice. And so we um, went multiple times. We dropped our daughter off at summer camp near there. Um, and my husband and I would then vacation for about a week afterwards. But, yeah, if, you are, if you're into food destinations that aren't huge, like, of course, Go to New York, go to Chicago, you know, but if you're looking for smaller food destinations, you know, I love recommending Austin, Asheville um, as as great, uh, smaller trip. And Asheville's almost drivable, you know. We drove because we had the trunk, you yeah. know, her, what her camp it, trunk. 10, 10 hours or yeah. so? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you're down for a road trip, I'd say it's drivable, yeah. but um, well, yeah. Well, nowadays you're almost better off driving than flying anywhere. Yeah, it's where a lot of young chefs are ending up. It's um, a little more livable, I guess I would say, than, than, a, than big city. moving to a big city, um, but as diverse of a food scene as any of those bigger cities. So, yeah, de- a definite recommendation. We are hoping to do um, a food 
tour to Asheville. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. We were plan- We were going to go on a cruise. We had a whole cruise partially sold and then COVID. Yeah. So um, we're like, hey, what? where's a Southwest flight? <laughs> Maybe we could do something like that versus, you know. A cruise. Yeah. Cruises are happening, though. They're yeah, yeah. They're back up and running. Yeah, Anyway, hey, that's your thing. Go for it. My husband is not a big cruise person, even before COVID. He was like, that's a whole bunch of people in a very close, in a very contained spot. So, but anyway, thank you so much for your time. This has been fantastic. We will, we're, we'll add it to our list for our winter crawl. I need all the help I can get, clearly. So, um, it's just been very inspirational. Thank you so much, Anne. Thank you. This was fun. All right. I hope everybody has a great week. Bye.